So that customer success function, you, you internally there again, so you kind of break it up where you kind of have the, I'll say the revenue side and then the CCO has, I call it kind of more the customer sat side. Yeah. When you, and when you think about it, you know, fundamentally there's, there's a portion of it that's focused on adoption and, you know, you sell a product. How do you, you know, how do you drive the adoption of that product? How do you ensure that product's actually creating an outcome for that customer when that happens, that gives us a couple of interesting things. A, it gives me proof points and references to go into other customers and be like, hey, customers like you are already doing X, Y, and Z. Here's the actual stats in terms of what they're doing. So having my CS team drive that adoption, but then turning into potential lead flow um, through what we call CSQL, so customer success sourced you know, leads that come into my right. team for driving cross-selling expansion. Gotcha. Very cool. And then how do you differentiate um, kind of a CCO from kind of a CRO in terms of how you guys kind of split the responsibilities? Um, from a gain, is that from a gain site perspective or are you thinking from, a, from an industry perspective? I'd say both, kind of gain yeah. site and then kind of what you see. Yeah. So, um, you know, so Kelly, who's our chief customer officer, like I said, she owns our entire customer success organization. That's inclusive of our CSMs. Um, she owns our support organization and she owns our professional services organization. So when you think about kind of the customer life cycle from onboarding forward, that falls into Kelly's remit or everything else falls into my remit. But again, I also have the renewals aspect of it. And I also have the expansion across all into all that existing customer base. Um, I mean, like the, the, the key challenge in, in CS and sales overall is just alignment um, and right. making sure that each team is supporting the other team. Because, look, if we didn't have a you know, thousand plus existing customers to go cross sell and upsell into, be a massive impact on, on my addressable market and my business. So we need to keep that new customer, new logo acquisition you know, machine going. But we also have to nurture and grow that install base. So we, we both work together uh, you know, super well. Awesome. And then uh, how does marketing report in? So marketing, um, so my peer Monica rolls into Nick. Uh, but again, these are all, again, very tightly integrated from the standpoint of when you think about customer marketing, and this is a conversation that comes up in a lot of our, our customer engagements now these days, where it's like my CS team probably has the best visibility into what's happening in the market and what's happening, I'm sorry, in our customer base. And so marketing, having the ability to go look between what are we doing within CS? And then what are they doing in Marketo in terms of going after new prospects or marketing into our existing customers? Really, really key to have alignment there. We use, and, and everyone gets confused when I say this externally, we use Gong. And yes, we use Gong.io, which is the call recording tool, but we call our internal Gainsight uh, instance Gong. It's Gong is short for Gainsight on Gainsight. Um, and this is, you know, we probably, and, and, and of course you would expect us to have the most thorough and complete deployment of Gainsight. So the entire company leverages it from my marketing team to my sales organization, to our post success team, you know, post sales and customer success team. Gotcha. And then, uh, anything that you can share around either your kind of go to market priorities or challenges that you're having? You know, I'd say right now, um, a, cu a couple things. Uh, we we are, if you look at Gainsight as a company in terms of where we go to market, North America being being you know the biggest uh, you know core for us, like most other SaaS companies, we've got a pretty big presence in Europe. We started that seven years ago ish, probably, um, and so Europe is a big market for us. We just, and I say just, it's been probably a year now that we've been in the process, but we've opened up Japan. 
um, and going into the, the APJ market, uh, you know, with, with definitively more force and more resources and, in a you know, localizing and internationalizing the product to be able to go tackle that. So global expansion, um, one key for us. I'd say the other, and if you look at Gainsight and what we bring to market, and you, know, you probably heard me use, you know, three words where it's like, you know, grow through your customer, your community, and your product. Um, one of the other core motions for us right now is actually a cross-sell motion from a go-to-market perspective, because everyone knows Gainsight for the core CS platform that we brought to market and we've had for years and years and years. Um, but we've done two acquisitions in our in our history. One of those was is what we now call Gainsight PX. So this is product experience. So think in-app analytics and engagements. And this is a key part of how you actually ensure what's your customer's journey. And where are they? Where are they actually adopting the features that are sticky, that are driving the most value? Where are they not? How can you guide them in app? So it gives us a great capability to help customers drive product-led growth. Um, and we also acquired a company last January, um, so January of uh, last year, 2022. So we're a year into it now, uh, called Insided, which is a community platform. And really tying all this together. Is, is a key motion for us of, of both driving cross-sell, but also bringing things like digital customer success and a complete DCS offering to market. Because when you think about it, providing customer success at scale requires you to do it through your product. It requires you to go leverage the intelligence and visibility that a customer success platform like Gainsight can, can give you, especially through in-app analytics, but it also requires you to do things like self-service, leverage your community advocates. And that's what the Insighted platform and that community platform have allowed us to go build over the course of the last year. So it's really those three kind of you know, fundamental pillars and ensuring that we can go drive a cross-sell, uh, go-to-market motion. Awesome. And um, and I know you've got a great culture. Glassdoor said uh, Gainsight got the top spot for best places to work. Uh, what, what makes what are maybe uh, one one or two things that make the culture special? Um, I mean, start at the top, uh, Nick. You probably got a, a little uh, a little sense of him and kind of what he's done. But I, I think that's really important because you know, look, we've, we've we've all worked at a lot of places. Y'all seen a lot of people talk about culture. Um, but more often than that, culture is a poster on the break room wall. And that's the only time that you see those things or hear about those things. And everybody kind of laughs about it when somebody does something that's completely, you know, averse to what that culture actually is. Uh, you know, Nick is super serious about it. If you look at Gainsight's mission statement, it's to, it's to prove you can win in business while being human first. And we take this human first thing super seriously. I mean, in fact, what, before I joined, Nick and I had multiple hour plus long meetings around what does it actually mean to be a Gainsight executive and live the values um, and think about those values in terms of every decision that we make and how we go drive the company. Um, so when you look at our core values, a focus on being human first, you know, the other one that I really love is childlike joy because it's about bringing your authentic self to work. Um, What's this right again? Child, childlike joy. Um, and so it's, it's key to us to like, look, in everything you do, you gotta have a little bit of fun, um, but it allows everyone to kind of like truly bring themselves to work. And it's great to see all of that being celebrated. Um, and it just makes it for a, you know, a much more integrated and, and, and just positive esprit de corps for the team. And so, you know, culture here, I, I think, you know, Gainsight, you know, for sure, obviously I've got the best place to work award behind me there, but it's, it's not me. It's our you know, entire organization and it's, you know, starts with Nick and how we drive it through, through the community as well. And you'll see, I mean, for those that, you know, if you're out there and you're going to pulse next week, I think people can attest, you'll see that culture come through uh, in our conference as well. 
Awesome. Very cool. And then uh, I guess about a couple of years ago, you had a private equity shift with uh, Vista coming in. Um, kind of what, what was that like from a, a CRO perspective? Because you probably had a lot more kind of uh, eyes on you, so to speak. They, yeah. lot, they say a lot of help. Uh, you, you know, that, that's the question that I always get. And in fact, you know, so Vista, we did the deal with Vista and it closed December 28th of 2020. Um, so it was probably, you know, I, I was not here that long, you know, in most, and candidly, a chunk of my time, my early time at Gainsight was going through that diligence process. Um, but I will tell you, here's what's, here, here's what was great about it. When I spent probably six months plus, you know, talking to Nick before making the call to, to go join Gainsight and going through the, the interview process, I put together, you know, kind of my assessment of here's, here's kind of the core areas that I think we need to focus on as it relates to go to market, mm-hmm. things around enablement and, and, and a number of different things. And what was really fascinating is when we went through the diligence process with Vista, at the tail end of that diligence process, they came in and they said, look, here's our, here's our value creation plan. Here's the areas that we think you need to go dig into and that we want to go focus on. And, you know, literally all but I think one that they presented were on the list that I had created before I even joined the company. So that to me was a great sign because if it was orthogonal, it probably would have been the shortest CRO tenure of my career. Um, but, uh, but the reality is like, you know, they've come in and it's been, it's, it's been great. Um, you know, everyone's like, oh, private equity, it's gotta be tough. It's not. I've seen, I've, I've, I've seen some of the other ones that, that perhaps aren't, aren't quite as, um, as human first, but from a values alignment perspective, this is super aligned with Gainsight. And, and in fact, they've leveraged what we've taken from a culture perspective and, and seeing how they can push that across the rest of the portfolio. So seeing that and seeing their mission focus and then the fact that a lot of their core areas of, hey, here's where we need to dig in are we're aligned with mine. I mean, it's been, it's been good. And I'd say the second part of it that to me has been a, a big plus is the CRO community. Um, we just did they had a, uh, what they call Vista BPSS, their best practice sharing session, did that in Miami a couple of weeks ago, and just a great opportunity to get in room with a bunch of fellow CROs. There's no competition. There's not people trying to elbow each other out in terms of, you know, what, whatever the dynamic might be. It's everyone's in there. We're all kind of doing the same thing in different companies, seeing different problems. And I assure you, somebody that is facing the exact challenge that I had last year or the one I'm having now, somebody else saw last year. The ability to leverage that network has been been super compelling as well. Awesome. Very cool. And uh, all right. So, oh, also forget to ask about Japan. So you got uh, new things going on in Japan, right? Yeah. So I mentioned, you know, international is a big focus for us. Uh, we launched that. I mean, it feels like a year and a half now, but when I think about official launch, we're probably a quarter and a half in, but there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, firstly, just deciding on that market, um, number one, and then from there, moving on from that, you know, deciding on the market to how do you actually go do it? How do you localize the product? How do you bring a team on board? So uh, how do you build the demand? And so, so we, we've partnered with a company called Japan Cloud who've been fantastic for us. Um, they brought a number of other SaaS companies into the market. So it's, it's great to, to get to a point now where, you know, we're closing deals. We've got a fully built out team and just a lot of local excitement in the market there. Very cool. Yeah, d- definitely tough, tough one to break into, but uh, if they get the right r- relationships and uh, f- feet on the street certainly can be great. Um, all right, uh, Tucker, we have a question from Tim. Uh, can, uh, can you talk about how important data collection is to B2B SaaS? We often see product and marketing teams struggle 
with prioritizing instrumentation of data collection, like segment, et cetera, and product and other areas of the customer life cycle. Uh, where am I here? Uh, to feed tech uh, like CS and uh, PX. Yeah. Um, so we made the acquisition years. I mean, we're four years in now um, ish. So, we made that acquisition years ago because this is absolutely so critical. Understanding, uh, and, when, and actually, when I read this question and ask about data collection B2B SaaS and talks about segment, I'll talk about two things uh, around data. One is actually understanding your ICP and having a data-driven way to go understand that ICP. That's absolutely critical because part of customer success starts with selling to the right customers. So we've got a pretty uh, detailed process. And in fact, this is one of the areas that Vista doubled down on with us. Um, and internally, I mean, we've gone across the market. We have a pretty detailed algorithm that scores accounts based on demographics and firmographics and all sorts of other data to determine, are they within the ICP and where are they ranked within the ICP? That then gives us what we call a territory net potential model where we can build out based on all the different you know, potential prospects in the ICP based on tap rates and conversion rates. What, what are, what's the actual net potential of this market area and going to business? Now, that's a key piece of understanding your market from a B2B SaaS standpoint, because it should drive decisions like, you know, am I going to make this feature shift in product or invest in engineering here because a, a degraded account wants it or because it's an A1 account that's got a significant amount of cross-sell? understanding kind of what you do and how it impacts your core ICP, absolutely critical. So that's, that's one piece of it. The other piece of it though, and, and this is again, why we, why we acquired the product and why we are driving PX so heavily across our business is really the analytics and the understanding of how your customers are actually using your product. How can you actually drive an outcome if you don't know how they're using it? You don't know where they get stuck. You don't know where perhaps the sticky features are. Um, you can't help them through that process. Now, historically, it's something that heads of product have cared about. And in fact, when we first bought um, you know, PX and brought it to market, our, our core focus was going after the chief, uh, chief product officer. Um, but as you know, the course of the years here, it's evolved where you know, the heads of CS now see that they have to have this data. Um, and regardless of whether product wants it or not, um, it's getting injected. Those tags are getting injected into the application. It becomes just a critical part of health scoring and understanding that customer journey and, and understanding how we can go you know, potentially drive more, uh, both value for that customer, but you know, a, a more valuable symbiotic relationship. Awesome. Very cool. And uh, Tim, thanks for the question. And then while, while we're on it, um, how's your, I'll call it, you know, lead gen process? So I, I think, uh, you know, I already mentioned next week we have Pulse, which is probably the largest customer. It is the largest customer success, you know, event, community event out there. Obviously a great opportunity for us, both from a lead perspective, but also from a progression standpoint. I think when you go to, you know, conferences like that and you see, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of your peers in the room facing similar challenges, but also making similar decision. It's a great opportunity, at least as a sales leader, selfishly in terms of driving progression and opportunities. So I think, you know, the Gainsight brand is synonymous with customer, you know, customer success. So we've had a, a very, very um, just rich kind of top of funnel activity coming off of our branding and then all of the core marketing that our team does. 
you know, they do, you know, talk about childlike joy. We just, uh, we've gone through what we called an ERAS tour. Um, and if you know, uh, our, our ERAS tour and, and, you know, Taylor Swift just did her ERAS tour. Nick happens to be a big Taylor Swift fan. So we kind of modeled uh, and did a bunch of multi-city tours, but it's really pulling together local leaders from the CS community and, you know, tackling some top of mind topics and activities. And, and I would say for us, thought leadership and giving back to the community both builds the category, but it's also a massive amount of lead flow. Um, and then outside of that, you know, of course, I have my sales organization and an SDR organization focused on outbound prospecting and ensuring that, you know, people have the appropriate awareness of gainsight. Awesome. Uh, you're, there may not be SDRs watching now, but probably off hours are going to watch. So if there's uh, kind of one or two uh, bits of uh, feedback or advice so they can end up in your shoes someday, what would you tell them they should be doing now? Yeah, great, great question. Um, and, and I will, I will share some advice I got early in my career and it was the words deserve it before you demand it. Um, and I think, you know, what, you're talking about the 20 somethings, you know, right now, I, I thought they're only supposed to demand it even if they don't deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been an interesting market. I do think the shift in, in, you know, tech here in the last couple quarters may, may change some of that. Um, and by the way, it's not to say don't be ambitious and it's not to say don't go advocate for yourself. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, I had a leader, a son many years ago, tell me that. And it was like, do the job that you want to go have. And it's not to say neglect your current job, but when you think about an SDR and, and typically how they're compensated and it's focused on just building pipeline, but is it quality pipeline? Is a pipeline that's closing? Is it aligned with the objectives of the company? How can you then step up as a leader, as an SDR, and say, man, here's the scripts, here's the sequences, here's what I'm doing that we need, that's working, that we need to go drive across the organization. And I would say the last piece about that, especially in the SDR shoes, I think this is, this is part of the organization that if you get it right, first, it's incredibly hard because it's the intersection of marketing and all demand into the sales team. And then the question is like, are we building enough leads? You know, are these actually qualified opportunities? Should they be progressing? How do you actually move from production to coverage? And I know everyone has these challenges. And you know, I, if anyone gets it right, like I would, I would love to know like how you got it right that quickly because you know the business and the market shifts. But being able to understand what you do and how it relates to your sales team, incredibly, incredibly important.